Bucknutters. It is Tuesday, February 27th, 2019. I am Dan Rubin. This is the Bucknuts Morning 5 and Change, joined as always on Tuesdays by Dwayne Long. Dwayne, the sun has peaked out in the Buckeye State. How are you feeling today? Hey, uh, we're, we're starting uh, spring practice next week, so um, I'm more excited about this spring. Last spring, I was excited. We had the quarterback derby. The week we've got so many changes. I mean, the entire program has changed now. So I am super excited about spring. Let's hope Mother Nature cooperates, gets us a lot of outdoor practices, which means a lot of outdoor photography, which means a lot of Buckeye visions for the fans. But today we are going to talk about the news, and it's big. Jonah Jackson, Rutgers transfer offensive lineman, highly coveted, visited Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Texas. Number one off-season transfer priority for the Buckeyes once they had Justin Fields in the bag. Has opted to attend Ohio State. He announced it yesterday. This is a big, big pickup. Ohio State needed help on the offensive line. Jackson is expected to be a plug-and-play starter. For those of you that have the boarding house and have followed the coverage, you know that he's been told he can play left guard or center. It is our belief they'd rather have him at left guard. So we're going to break this down in totality here. First, Jonah Jackson as a player, what are the Buckeyes getting? Oh, they're getting a really solid veteran starter. This is a Big Ten guy. He was highly regarded. I mean, when you watch him on film, this is just a solid guy. We are replacing four offensive linemen. Now, for me, I think center. I have never been really convinced about uh, Myers is a center, and the other guys are just a little young. You don't want uh, Matthew Jones, who has not been a uh, played center. I mean, he just hasn't. Uh, or, or Harry Miller, who I believe is a future uh, NFL first-rounder. But young, you don't want youth at center. This is a guy who's making all the line calls, and you want a veteran in there if you can get it, even if he hasn't played center, play somewhere on the offensive line, you know, and, and, and be familiar with it. So, uh, you know, this gives us time to develop a uh, couple of really outstanding prospects at center. So uh, I, I'm thinking center. Okay, you're thinking center. That's clear. But the general uh, consensus on the intelligence is that he'll be at left guard and that Josh Myers will be at center. Let's take a look at what we think. Let's just assume, then, that Jackson goes in at left guard, given that's the consensus. It may ultimately be that he changes back to what you think is best. That wouldn't surprise me. But I think left to right right now, they're going Thayer Mumford at left tackle, who, by the way, will be the highest drafted offensive lineman of this group as of right now. Left guard, Jonah Jackson, center Josh Myers. Right guard, I'll get back to. Right tackle, Nicholas Petit-Frere, possibly, or Joshua Allaby. I know you're a big fan. What do you think oh, this I'm, would do at I... right guard? Hold on one sec. What do you think this does at right guard? We'll get to Petit-Frere and uh, Allaby. But at right guard, do you believe it will be Wyatt Davis or Brandon Bowen? Well, I mean, Bowen won the job, but... 
Wyatt Davis really played well at the end of the year when they gave him the opportunity. You know, we one of the things that really bothered us about last year's staff was their unwillingness to let younger guys play. It's it's just ridiculous. And when uh, we were struggling there, Knox was getting physically dominated. We watched it game in and game out, Dan. He was really not – he was just not the the best option. And when Davis got in there, even if he did make some mistakes, he wasn't getting physically knocked around. He was hanging tough and and winning. Just you know, you want to you you just want to sit here and sumo. Yeah, let come on, let's do this. You're not going to move me. And you know, if a guy's a little bit quicker, he's uh, uh, got a little bit more advanced technique across from him. You know, that happened on a few occasions, but not uh, not to where you were like, okay, this guy's not ready. We never got there with him. Uh, you know, and go with the younger guy. Uh, Bowen, probably more physically uh, a tackle type. You know, he's a taller guy, a longer guy, uh, better off at at tackle probably. But Alabi has just impressed me so much. He He's just a guy that just doesn't get beat. I never will forget the Minnesota game where um, uh, Prince – was getting destroyed. I can't remember the kid's name from Minnesota who was just just toying with him. Well, sometimes they lined him up. That was a game where Mumford had, had been hurt. Uh, so Alavi was at left tackle. He never beat him once. Uh, a guy who was just destroying the more uh, advanced, more um, uh, experienced guy in, in Prince a lobby handled him every time he, he they decided to line him up over there. It's like, why are you doing this? You're not beating the left tackle. Uh, go over there and get on Prince and get in the backfield. So that never made sense to me. But, yeah, I really believe in a lobby. And what happens, you know, let let uh, Wyatt and, 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 and Bowen fight it out at right guard. That's a good thing to have. And, you know, you can take the other one. And he's your your sixth man. He's the guy that's going to come in and play either guard position whenever you need it. So it's a good thing to have. So just to get this on the record, you think Joshua Allaby will beat out Nicholas Petit Fair at right tackle? I don't. I don't know if it's so much beat him out. I'm still concerned. When we saw uh, numbers that Ohio State put out, these are these weren't something that uh, you know we just stumbled across. These were Ohio State numbers, 272 pounds. I hope that was a number from way back. He can't play right tackle at 272 pounds. He can't play left tackle at 272 pounds. Usually right tackle is the biggest, baddest dude on the line. I believe he is the future. I believe he's as talented as an offensive lineman as we brought into the program in years. But he's got to add the weight. He was always a light guy. At 272 pounds, I just don't think that's a uh, a number that you can have. He's going to get pushed around a lot at, as a right tackle. Another impressive thing about this is I know it shows that they can fix the offensive line, but Ryan Day has now attracted the number one quarterback transfer they had on their board from Georgia, the number one offensive line transfer they had on their board from Rutgers, they managed to flip Zach Harrison to the Buckeyes in the last week. They went after the Hawaiian Enoch Mahai and got him. 
what does this tell you early on about the fear that Ohio State wasn't going to be able to attract, wasn't going to be able to attract talent at the Urban Meyer level? But Ryan Day has really made a strong impression to start off here. Well, the results speak for themselves, Dan. You just you just stated it. I don't believe we were going to get Zach Harrison. I doubt you thought we were going to get Zach Harrison in the end there. No, I don't uh, and, and I don't know anybody who was absolutely certain. Uh, Bill Curlick knows what was going on with Harrison better than anybody in the business, and he kept his crystal ball on him, but I don't think he was convinced completely at the end that we were going to get Zach Harrison. They pulled that in. And look at how he held this class together, this this Urban Meyer recruited class. He held it together, and uh, we ended up with a solid class in a class that isn't a great class overall. A lot of positions just weren't up to up to what you expect. Uh, high school, excuse me, high school football recruiting. Uh, but he held it together. It's a good, solid class. Uh, and he held it together. This is a guy that's been head coach for three games, and he's a relative unknown um, to most anybody outside of Ohio State. I mean, he's known as more of a pro guy. And now, and look what he's doing now with the uh, 2020 class, which is a much better class. Off to a great start with them. Bucks got had a couple of great. Uh, football players on campus this past weekend. So a couple of guys that are, you know, early offer guys that are at committable offers. So um, I'm I'm super impressed with him and wait until he puts his product on the field and the, the players get to see him and see that this is still Ohio State. We're, we're not, nothing's changed. We're still going to be a team that is going to be a threat to compete for the national championship every year. And he's done it his way. He changed the staff up. He's not – I mean, Urban has built and added on to the legacy here, but I don't feel like he's doing this on Urban Meyer fumes and promising stuff that's bygone. He's got the future set up for them. Speaking of the future, the NFL scouting combine starts tomorrow in Indianapolis. Ten Buckeyes are set to attend. If you'd like the most comprehensive preview possible, we did a Bucknuts draft cast over the weekend with Dane Brugler of The Athletic. I am not kidding. Dane Brugler is as good on the NFL draft as anybody is at anything else. You cannot get a more comprehensive preview than what Dane offered us up. But let's talk about it a little bit. The biggest thing to see this week is something you won't see at all, and that will be the medical evaluation for Nick Bosa. Should it go smoothly, he's expected to be the number one overall pick. And then we'll see the rest of the dudes perform as well. If there is a Buckeye that will go to the Combine and possibly fool everybody with their athleticism, who do you think it will be? I have to go with the guy that, that just lit up the senior bowl, and that's Terry McLaurin. He is He just put on a show. I think he's going to run better than people think he's going to run. And that right there is just going to solidify the fact it's just not a great receiver draft. Um, so I think he's got the chance to uh, to make a big change in his life financially. Uh, it, this, if he runs well, I mean, he, he needs to test well. He needs to catch the ball in drills. 
that's going to be everything. And if he does that, it just solidifies what he established in the senior bowl. It's going to send the scouts back to look at the film some more. Uh, we played a lot of receivers. That's why he didn't really stand out as much. He, he just wasn't having that, have that many balls thrown to him. But when he did get the ball in his hands, he made things happen. And I think that's the one thing we're going to notice. Just, uh, the numbers aren't there, but uh, there's a reason for that. I also want to mention Draymond Jones. I think he's got a chance to really improve his, his situation. Defensive tackle is monster in this class. It's just, you know, I, I've said the 2016 um, defensive tackle class coming out of high school was the best defensive tackle class I've ever seen, one of the great classes by position that I've ever seen, and it's showing up in this draft. It's, it's a monster class. But here's the thing. Lost a key element. Uh, 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 is it Jeffrey or Jeremy Simmons from Mississippi State? He Ooh, was – Okay, he was a monster. I don't know, you know, because he stuck down there, we didn't see Mississippi State. If you watch his film, you're going, oh, my Lord, how did he end up at Mississippi State? This is a guy that should have been at Alabama or LSU or Georgia, not Mississippi State. Uh, But he's just a monster. His injury opens up the draft a little bit. Everybody moves up a slot. That could really – there's always been a question of of, – whether Jones is a first or second round or most are saying second round now, but that had everything to do with the depth at the position. He goes and, and performs well. He's going to do great in the interviews. He's just a great kid. I think that he is a, uh, the one who could benefit the most from Simmons likely falling out of the first round with the injury. Simmons did not attend one of those schools because there is a domestic violence incident from his high school on video. So he was not even invited to the combine, though you're right. He was rocketing up the boards because people in the NFL don't really care about that crap, and he would have been picked probably in the top ten. But, yes, he blew his knee out during training, so that definitely helps Draymond Jones. I think the guy that's going to blow up the combine is going to surprise some people, at least outside of the Columbus area and maybe Tuscaloosa, is Kendall Sheffield. Keep in mind, when you're in street street clothes, when you're wearing spandex, it's a track meet. And Kendall Sheffield knows how to run some track. He's going to rock the 40. He's going to look great. And it's going to force him to go back to the tape and see that no player that I have ever watched has ever been in the position and made fewer plays on the ball. So Kendall Sheffield may be able to move up a couple rounds. Dane Brugler thinks he could even go in the late third round given his physical ability. So keep it locked in here this week. We will have complete combine coverage. Have a good one, Buck Nutters. Buck Nutters.